1: Joltan live. Joltan live. <laughs> <laughs> good evening and welcome to Jolton live here on maritime radio this is the big match preview my name is Louis mendez and you'll join us as we look ahead to this Saturday's game with Bradford City Upper Valley parade or the fake valley. As I like to call it. Joining me in the studio here at the Real Valley are Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Alright, thanks, Louie. Yeah, you sounding good, sounding loud.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Better than I was on Sunday.
1: <laughs> and joining the pair of us, uh, I dare say he's, he's uh, probably experiencing some sort of nighttime activity. How you doing, Nath? Yeah, not bad, mate. Living the dream. Oh, I told you. He's experiencing <laughs> the night
2: activity. <laughs> wonder what night activity you're thinking about, then. <laughs>
3: uh, good to be back. been a while. Yeah. It feels like it's been a while, anyway.
1: Is it not only last week? No, I weren't here last week. Oh no, week. you two weren't here last week. No, I I that's so yeah. two weeks ago now, isn't it? It's been a while. I we're yeah, Sunday, a while. so. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Three go.
3: Musketeers are back.
1: Three Musketeers, the uh, the iconic duo, as per someone's tweet about oh, three really? or four weeks ago. Do you remember? No. One of those great tweets you get where they put up a photo of like Kim Kardashian. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And so someone says name a more iconic duo, and then someone replied they obviously don't listen to the big match preview. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That we are oh, a more yeah. iconic duo. Having Trino, said that, then. I think I've got that tweet on my wall now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, weren't, yeah,
3: but weren't, one of like, yeah. Weren't, weren't it like Mary Berry, Sue, and Paul Hollywood? So one of us yeah. is Mary Berry. Yeah, I'll,
2: yeah. I'll
1: take it. I still like, <laughs> it was, What Mary Berry? <laughs> It was, Dan, disgusting, it was Dan fan. Sheedy tw- who uh, tweeted that. I still, owe him about 50, I still owe him 50 quid for that. Right, on tonight's show. <laughs> on tonight's show, on a suspiciously quiet week at the club. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, normally, there's, it's all kicking off and there's a few things we're going to talk about. Of course, this week marks the uh, 24th anniversary of, I, I think it's fair to say, the most important day in the club's history. and It's one that was ever so slightly before all our time, but we know so much. Uh, About the story. It was the return to the valley on December the 5th, 1992. The XL was over. Our dreams have come true. Uh, We will look back at that special, special day and everything that went around it. And for some reason, because of that special, special day, the 5th of December has always held this, this perfect bit of luck, really, for the addicts. And the 5th of December throughout the years, we've had some classic encounters. One with Palace, one with Mirwall, one with Blackburn obviously Um, so we're going to look back at some of those games then we're going to uh, have a discussion about other things going on around the club Uh, manager of the month award that we're, we're ironically involved with uh, some other news, um, some, some sour news that's come out regarding the club, and it has come out regarding the the whole of football, really, the child abuse scandal that's, that's coming out around football. Now, obviously, because our club has been involved, that we will talk about that uh, briefly. We're also going to talk about uh, a letter that's been sent into the Mercury newspaper this week, uh, and also some letters that were delivered to Roland Duchatelet as well. Uh, we've got one of the some texts from one of them. One of one of our listeners, actually, Freddie Saunders, who's uh, uh, wrote his letter. We're going to read out his letter. Then, of course, we're going to look ahead to the game with Bradford City. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Carl Robinson and from Tony Hudd, who's uh, talking to Carl Robinson. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> uh, heart, that man. heartbroken Tony Hudd. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we're gonna, um, we've are going to. we got our Charlton connection this week, and it's been won by a country mile yeah. by Eddie Eddie Yowd. So uh, we want your memories of Eddie Yowd mm-hmm. and uh, your memories of anything else we talk about on tonight. So you can email studio at uk or you can tweet us at CharltonLive. But I think... There's only one way you can start a show About Chelten during the uh, Anniversary of the, uh, the Back to the Valley Day and this is this, this is the day our dreams Came true
0: They've plenty of shots. Come on, shot!
4: Good jump by Nelson. Robinson again. grit Towards Leeburn. Certainly got the pace and the power. ...finding pitcher, and a shot, and a goal by Walsh for Charlton, and it becomes the perfect start. Well, they've dreamed about this for so long, after seven long years of playing at Selhurst and playing at Upton Park, they're back at home in the finest possible style. Walsh's goal into the corner of the net, and something like seven minutes gone. Played there by Pitcher, and Walsh took full effect. 1-0 to Charlton. When she was just Everybody urging that referee to blow the final whistle. And he's blown it, and Charlton have won it. The perfect homecoming for Charlton Athletic. A victory with that goal after six minutes from Colin Walsh. They hit the post as well. They had goalmouth scrambles. They took a lot of pressure from Portsmouth. Steve Britt, the joint manager, a perfect game at right back. And the smiles have truly returned to Charlton Athletic into the Valley. As they go right around the pitch now to say thanks for coming and we're glad to be back. It's been a wonderful day in the history of Charlton Athletic, one that anybody here is not going to forget for a long, long time. Were you there the day they returned to the valley? I was and I saw them win.
1: The day we returned to the paradise that is the valley. Um, Now, none of us were there. We ever so slightly too young really to have been at that game I think uh, I would have been I was 92 I would have just turned 4 yeah. uh, no you would have just turned about 12 <laughs> <So> <laughs> no
3: I was 87 when I was born I'm yeah. still a little nipper yeah. how old would I be at? what 92 5 how
1: yeah. so old, old, old were back. you when, when we went back to the, the valley were you <laughs> 2 so Were was that, was that you younger going to move Yeah.
2: Was yeah so what, what year was your it, first but... game in so uh, first home game was 96 yeah. I think a first away game, I think ninety five, ninety six.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, mm. you look back, and, and the, like I so say, none of us were there, but everyone who follows Charlton knows the story of how we uh, we left the ground in nineteen eighty five, went, ended up playing at Sellers Park, and then were due to come back, but it wasn't quite ready yet, so we ended up playing at West Ham for a little while as well. Um, everyone knows about the Valley Party, the the work that the fans that went before us. Our, our very own Peter Finch was uh, very much involved in that. He used to tell us about I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who are involved in that who we'll always be forever grateful to um, and, and then, I, I just can't go over my, the, the facts and when, when you look at that that was 1992 the 10 year anniversary of that so only 10 years later was the game that we beat Liverpool to in the Premier League and you think that the rise that this club had to get to that position where it was in the Premier League you know and we're not talking about where we are now that, we don't, I don't really want to even want to talk about that in this section because I just want to remember the the incredible rise that we had after that it never ever would have happened if we didn't come back to play at this place and, and you know we had our own identity which I'm sure is something that we must have lost mm. when we didn't play at Sillers Park and I will always be forever grateful to those fans who went before us who, uh, who made it possible
2: mm. I think mentioning the fans is right because we would never have got there without them and I said the same on Sunday's show you know um, I can't I can't thank them enough because if it wasn't for what all of those people put all those hard hours in I wouldn't have even had a club to support Um, okay we don't really want to go into now but the fans are doing the same now you know and I'm sure lots of fans across the country say the same about their clubs but I do think that we do we have that unique bond with our club because we've Mm -hmm. saved it from the brink before and you know I go to Selhurst now and I you know I look forward to those derbies but there are some people that can't even go back there because of what they were put through before and that's not fair, as a football fan. You know, you don't think it should take over your life in that way. Certainly not in that negative aspect. And it did. And what they did to save the club was just amazing. And and as you say, we weren't here. We weren't part a part of it. But that day still means a lot to me because I know what other people put themselves through for the club.
1: When you when you think about that time, like I like say, it was be, uh, before we were we were there. But can, can you try and get into your head what it must have been like for your your own football cl- club to not have their own ground? And it's not like. Yeah, you know, Coventry had it recently for, what, a season? Just seven seven years. Mm. You, you can't get your head around it, really, can you? It's incredible.
3: Yeah, I know. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, um, how long have we had um, Roland here for now? Three, three, three years. Three so years. if you think you double doubled that in a bit, that's the amount of time without somewhere to call your own sort of thing. And being with them locked down the road makes it even worse. But, yeah, I mean, it must have been absolutely horrible because I was, I was only a nipper. So I wasn't, obviously, old enough to see it. But, but like Tom said, you know, Echo and what everyone done and you mentioned about the 10 years the way and that's probably why a lot of people saw us and took us with such a high regard when we were up there because we literally came from from nothing worked all the way up and then was an established club and and i think that's why a lot of people actually liked. and you had heard it a lot saying you know the Cholton way and sort of the Cholton model and um but obviously now's now, now. <laughs> but yeah you know you said it, we obviously took massive strides to in those 10 years
1: yeah, uh, but people often talk about about how when they when they come down to the valley or oh everyone would say it at their own club they they go to their club and they uh you know they think about, oh, I used to come here with my old man or I used to come here with my mum or whoever whoever used to bring you down here and you think of all the the generations and whatnot and all the memories that you get when you come down to the ground <laughs> to to have this to, to I guess for the fans who who come who were who were involved in all the valley pie or around those days and had to schlep over to. Yeah, you know, to Sellers and 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 to West Ham, it must it must just it must just feel so extra special, knowing that they had to fight for this place, and and to see, and to see it now, because I mean I was watching the uh, the video on the the CFC player mm. of the uh, of the first game back. I watched the whole thing at last night, and you look around the ground and thinking like, you know, when when it came back, it was a bit of a, a ramshackle affair. You know, the, east, the massive East Terrace, which I, unfortunately I never got to see, but was uh, was still closed. They had a walkway over. It was only three sides, of eight thousand people were here to watch it. They must. They must come down now and just look look around them mm. and and just still have that massive sense of achievement all, after what happened.
2: I, I think you're completely right. They must do because I, as I say, I wasn't there. I wasn't wasn't around to to be a part of that. But I still come here and I don't take it for granted at all because that's a part of the the history of Charlton. And you know, sometimes the football on the pitch isn't the best. Sometimes the the club's in a not a great state. But I still take my seat every week and. And feel grateful to have such a good stadium. And away fans, every time they come down, any of my friends that support other clubs when they come, they always enjoy it. They always say what a great stadium it is. And unfortunately for us in the home end, probably the best view is from the away end. But when you stand in that end and you look around the stadium, it is an incredible stadium. And when it's packed, it's a it's a great atmosphere. And yeah, again, we I can only repeat what I said before that there are fans at this club who who brought us all that and saved that and. I'll be forever grateful, I guess, for, for them doing that.
1: Now The day, the day itself, like, again, we, the point we weren't there. In a way, I kind of wish I was a little bit older, so mm. I was there for such a special day. But it must have been such a carnival atmosphere. You see some of the videos of fans being interviewed outside the ground. There's a, a famous shot, which we see every time now, of, of the gate being opened. And uh, a friend of mine, Mart, uh, one of the banks, is, uh, there's two of them, uh, is there walking through and he always points himself out. When he when he when he comes through it that that day itself must have been such a, a carnival atmosphere.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was, this is what I mean. We we were all sort of trying to imagine what it would have been like, but I don't think we'll ever grasp how great it was. But and especially when that goal went in as well when Walshy scored. Mm. I mean. Th- even listening to it and you're not even there, it still yeah. gives you yeah. that sort of tears. That's what Mads that's
1: is saying right now. says so one of the most iconic bits of commentary ever. Always makes you smile. Indeed, well up, mm. uh, which is embarrassing when because he, he listens to Live when he's at the gym. So <laughs> <laughs> we don't make him cry most days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when uh, so uh, you, you look at some of the, the names in that squad, Cole Leeburn played in that game. Nelson, uh, wasn't it, Nelson? Yeah. I mean, and then obviously, I mean, Colin Walsh will always go down in history. Yeah. Always go down mm-hmm. in history. Now I remember him uh bringing out he was leading at the uh the the teams from the, the 10-year anniversary against Liverpool he brought the match ball out and that that video always makes us laugh as well because it then cuts to the crowd it's my little brother con <laughs> wearing a big red curly wig so he's he always gets on that as well he um I mean he, he he'll go down as a legend now And you think about you know when, when Coventry went back to the Rico arena you know do you know he got the first goal for Coventry when he went back Frank Newball, <laughs> so he's ah. going to be their legend. But yeah, I mean Colin Walsh—it's a name that—it's it's a name that gets ingrained uh, into your mind when, you, when you're a Charlton fan. Like, so, I mean, the, the, the history behind that day. Everyone, I, I think it's maybe a slight generational thing that everyone of a certain generation, when you say Charlton, they know exactly what that means. But anyone who is a Charlton fan, for certain, will know about that and, and they'll never forget that.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and um, and rightly so for for Walsh because. Okay, for him, or you know, in terms of what he actually did, it was just scoring another goal. But for for fans of a club, it wasn't. It was writing himself into the history books, and you couldn't make it up, could you? And you hear the the team talk before the game. You know, that was it. Was Plenty all shame, about so. it. Was all about that first goal to say, look, we're home now, and we're back, and and let's do it with a bang. And and like you say, to go over those ten years and then to be beating Liverpool in the Premier League, what an incredible rise! And seen teams like like Leicester and. And Southampton and, and Norwich do it from maybe League one upwards and in then you know with all the money around the game now it's not it's not quite the same but to do it then and to do it with that same manager carrying us all that way it's just what an achievement and what a proud proud history to have and and yeah we're not we're not there now and we're in a difficult time but we'll always have that and we might not have the memories of 1992 but we've we were lucky enough to have the memories of growing up through the Premier League years which a lot of fans now unfortunately don't have so
1: yeah I mean I mentioned at the top of the show that I think it's the most important day in our history and I I think I I think it does trump the playoff final because you know the playoff final wouldn't have happened if we hadn't come Mm. back surely. so I think Mm. that stands out I mean for us for us, did you,
3: did you guys get to the playoff final? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I think that when you said it his go. It, it trumps it. It probably does, because it was probably the start of, like you said, the start of the whole mm. thing. Do you know what I mean? I felt, like, yeah, I, I just it's had a sudden, well, well, in. Yeah, because well, he's got a point. It, it was the start, and without that, it mm. would never have happened. But, the, yeah, playoff final was
1: up there, but, yeah, well, now you say it like that, yeah, you can
3: actually <laughs> think, well, there weren't no playoff final otherwise, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, it's, no, and 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 the ground is the, the part of the identity, I guess, that is so important to a football club. I mean, you, when you see fat teams move from their grounds, and I, I know some some people will say, "Oh, you're, you're sticking the mud," you know, you're, you're old fashioned. I hate I hate it when I see mm. teams move from a ground, even if it's you know non-league teams moving from like even. <laughs> Even like and like and like West Ham. I mean, mm. you, you lose that sense of identity, and it's it's part of the the thing that becoming a football fan that doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah. you know, I I love this football team, and I love the stadium they play, and I love the badge, I love this sort of thing. It do, of course, it doesn't make sense. Of course, financially, it would make sense for us to go and play at a massive stadium and all yeah. this and that. But it's just it's just something deep down that you know financially you know logically it doesn't make sense to love a football club anyway but you do and and, and the ground's certainly part of it. the identity that's the
2: thing and I think being a football fan kind of defies logic anyway um I think I can't really uh, comprehend or imagine watching Charlton somewhere else as, as a home ground and there are there are good stories you look at Brighton and their new stadium's incredible and the atmosphere there is great but for every one good story there's plenty of bad ones and you know, the grounds like Hillsborough are for some of the wrong reasons, but that's got a rich history. You look at Upton Park, it's got a great history. Anfield and the Cop, you know, they're choosing to expand that ground rather than move elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I think it might be old-fashioned, but, you know, I'm only a 26-year-old football fan. I'm not some guy in his 70s who says, oh, it's better back in my day. And I genuinely think that those old grounds and that history does add to the atmosphere and... And especially for somewhere like this, when you've got people coming here and they're able to take their seat and think I was part of the group that saved it, mm. of course that's going to add to the atmosphere. Instead of going out to some new stadium on the peninsula, it's just, it isn't the same. And uh, you know, especially with talk going round now about potentially you know wanting to sell the valley or how valuable the land is, it's so crucial that we stay here because it's such an important part of the club.
3: With like with new stadiums as well. I mean, I've I've been to um, I haven't oh. been to the Olympic Stadium yet. But when, when... I don't know. I think it takes a while for it to become quite homey because mm. it seems quite fabricated and just, just, just... Plastic. I know it sounds yeah. stupid but do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like... And it took Arsenal fans ages... to a good example. ...to literally settle down to, because Highbury was Highbury and... And then like West Ham it doesn't... It's far away and it's not... It, it doesn't look like a proper football stadium because what mm. Upton Park you had... They were like literally on top of... Yeah, yeah. Of, like we are where we are. But... Yes, I mean it's, it's. That's why I think a lot of people have a lot of affinity and a lot of care in terms of the ground because a lot of people work damn hard to get it mm. back mm. and mm-hmm. just just keep it.
1: Lovely stuff. Now, of course, the uh, the fifth of December, 1992, like I say, goes down in uh, as one of the best games of our uh, of, of of our history. Uh, the fifth of December as a date turn, has turned since then has turned into a bit of a lucky date. Um, I'm not sure if it's still true actually I didn't get around to looking out but i got a feeling we would never been beaten on the 5th of December until we lost to Brighton last season I'll have to double check that that, uh,
3: that rings that
1: a bell 2 nil up? yeah 2-0 up yeah. cheers Carol <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we were good. <laughs> making what was that quote you say about
3: making with something or other? Yeah. yeah,
1: let's not make trouble into a team that must go no. everywhere. That's what one <laughs> here somewhere <laughs> let's,
3: let's make us lose our fifth of December record. <laughs> yeah.
1: But um, uh, but like I say, throughout the years so of fifty-seven. Now I, don't, I haven't actually asked you to if either of you went to this game either. Bizarrely, for a list of four games, well, I've never been. I've not been to any of these games. But the next one is was in nineteen ninety-five and was our last uh, win at the Den. <laughs> so no. no. Uh, Twenty-two years ago. so, so is Kim, that Kim Grant? Kim right? Grant. Kim Grant in the snow. Now everyone talks about Kim Grant in the snow. See, so I think he scored. Uh, I've got the. I've actually got the. Uh, oh, I have the the Telegraph uh, match report from the game here. I thought
3: so- you Telegraph, that old school paper is, <laughs> on a scroll.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So and and now this is see. So it's the Millwall. Ironically, we're at the very top of the of the division at Christmas that year. Uh, so a little bit later, we ended up. Um, when we ended up uh, uh, they ended up getting relegated that same season well when they were now a top, yeah, we're so was top for Christmas. yeah so So here we go Millwall are beginning to feel the cold winds that are whipping round the top of the first division in blizzard conditions last night they suffered yet another lurch in form in a match in which both teams had a man sent off before Charlton gate to victory now I was reading this report earlier all of it sounds like our classic Millwall came apart mm. from we ended up winning so far yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that Millwall remained the division's leaders after a run of three defeats and two draws says something about it. it's Standards. They would get relegated at the end of the season. This is a Christmas. Uh, even given the difficulty presented by the snow-covered surface, they lacked both the poise and the potency of their opponents. Granted, Millwall had the upper hand for the first 37 minutes, in which they had 11 men to Chelten's Charlton, uh, 10. Or for the 37 minutes, sorry. But in the end, defeat could have been heavier. There had to be a doubt over whether the pitch was playable. Whirling snowflakes under the new den lights made for a tremendous spectacle. But much of what went on at ground level was equally random. Alan Kirby, the title manager, admitted that his fear after the team had gone 2-0 up was that the referee... Uh, might abandon the game again. That would have been so totally typical, wouldn't it? Mm. Uh, Charlton went ahead after only six minutes, when Mearwal short corner came to nothing, and John Robinson led a swift counter attack with a run up the right wing. David White headed uh, headed David down White. his cross, and Kim Grant bundled the ball in. Everything was going Charlton's way, but they were putting in some challenges, and not even the conditions could excuse. In the first, in the twenty first minute, Lee Bowyer was sent off for a second bookable. Uh, they suffered further setback in the 40th minute when Phil Chapel left the field with a stre- on the stretcher due to a knee injury see how we didn't go and lose that game I have no idea uh, in the end I think it was uh, uh, Kim Grant got the second quite late on there uh, and we ended up winning 2-0 so see none of us are, therefore I'm saying that none of us have actually ever seen us win at Millwall so we have to try and treasure that memory even though we weren't there <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can try out in what is it next Wednesday, the Wednesday, after Wednesday or Wednesday like yeah.
2: afternoon. Wednesday week, yeah. potentially in the snow. But it's, okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I
3: think it's probably. A- Looking at, it, I know we will probably talk about it near the time, but I think it's probably our best chance in recent years. Mm. I reckon in, the, in terms. Well, of was, like no, no,
1: no, no. Our best chance in recent years was when we were floating around in mid-table with some decent oh, players, yeah. and they were getting relegated. Yeah, the so the last time we got had Solly sent off after. Oh yeah.
3: Long. Is that when? Is that when Diara scored? scored the little yeah, yeah. flick. Yeah, and then yeah. they got two good two right, late, goals, two late, late, late goals. Yeah, yeah that, actually, that was yeah, a Yeah, that was a hard day. That one, and it was raining night. it was horrible. Yeah.
1: Uh, so oh. the, the, the next game <laughs> what's happened
2: there is we beat beaten Melbourne <laughs> once in our lifetime and we're just remembering losses instead
1: <laughs> so it's, it's too greatly ingrained right yeah. now there was another game uh, that happened around around uh, on the 5th of December this one was in 2004 and uh, I'm just going to play a little bit of audio because I think you guys might want to hear it
4: Murphy he wind himself up for the shot It he can win it for Tartan Athletic. Dennis Romadal has arrived in England at last. Would you believe it?
1: Would you believe it? Indeed, uh, oh. this was back in the day when we used to have the upper hand on at least one of our South London rivals. Mm. Uh, this was uh, so. This was 2004. Dennis in the last minute. Don't forget, they'd uh, Palace had missed a penalty. Dino had saved Andy Johnson's penalty after he, you know, dived. Well, he didn't dive. I think El Cory wiped him out. But uh, after after uh, he-, he saved that penalty, and then it was so late. I think that it'd been a pretty dull game, and the, the fourth official would signal that we were going to have two minutes of extra time, and we started attacking. Uh, in in about 2 minutes and 20 seconds past that and the referee for some reason played on and the ball goes out to Dennis Romadale and I mean what a moment that was again I wasn't there, I was watching in a pub in Bromley I was still working at Sainsbury's in Bromley and I managed to persuade my boss to let me leave 2 hours early to go to the pub to watch the game uh, pub for the Palace fans mm-hmm. and pe- and a few people not watching the game as well so there's a table of women not watching the game sat underneath the big screen who so had absolutely no idea While out of nowhere this one random man was jumping around <laughs> the pub banging tables <laughs> realised
3: that had that another, another hours left to drink here where he was <laughs> yeah. turn his watch back yes <laughs> another hour yeah.
1: okay. I mean, that was, that, was that a Friday night no nah, it was a Sunday Monday, afternoon Sunday, Sunday afternoon. afternoon yeah so I mean that, that, now, that was a particularly special memory mm.
3: Well, yeah, it's always nice to get a last-minute winner, but let alone against those guys away from home. Um, yeah, and no, I can still remember it. And yeah, you sort of had bragging rights for him my family. I did for a bit, but they're laughing a little bit now, but <laughs> 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 just a bit. <laughs> but yeah, so, so we're sort of clinging on to that and Todorov and whatever else. But uh, yeah, now it's great, great little moments, and yeah. we don't really enjoy them that often. So we do have to mm. sort of try for a minute now and again. Did
1: you get to that game? I
3: can't remember. I think I'm starting to think I, I did. I thought, I've it, was never a, seen I thought it was a night, night game so I'm obviously thinking well, it, was it, was it was a oh, it Sunday night so oh, it was be that then. oh yeah it might be because I remember four, it was yeah. dark we played yeah. in yellow yeah yeah I'm pretty sure we did
1: yeah
3: bottom left corner or something yeah I think yeah. shot across yeah I think I was yeah, yeah. yeah. unless I think of something completely different <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was think I can't
1: remember I can't remember okay the final the final 5th of December game I'm going to mention there was another one that Sainsbury's meant I couldn't go to it I was working a night shift uh, in 2006, we were in our relegation season. Les Reed was uh, a few games into his uh. tenure as manager and we desperately needed a win. We we're playing Blackburn Rovers at home. Uh, now, see, I was working a night shift at Sainsbury's uh, and I was sat there just waiting for my shift to start at 10. And I got a text from a mate who'd looked at Teletext and, and said, oh, the game's finished nil-nil?" So I just took his word for it. Because he he just looked at Teletext at the time he thought was full time. So I then went downstairs <laughs> and I didn't find out that we'd won until someone uh, someone who was also working on the night shift uh, but had arranged to come in a bit late came, turned up about three hours later. It's like you know we won. It was like <laughs> what? And, <laughs> uh, and found out that we actually won. So it was Elkhart Corey's bizarre low free kick. Yeah. that Sort of the completely flummoxed wall. Did he did the wall even jump over it? Perhaps or no? Nah, it went
2: round, didn't he? Yeah. It went but, round yeah. the side and in, in the. Opposite post to where Frieda was
1: when he when he stood up for it, I thought <coughs> you having a laugh, and I thought he was, everyone
2: did. I
3: thought he was going to lay it out wide or something, mm. and he's just, he just literally lamped it. And I was like,
2: T- you know, it's
3: like you know, when you score, you like a delayed reaction. Like, yeah. that just happened?" But the and whole was
2: stadium like, like, was like that. Like, I, El Khakur is one of my favourite players we've ever had, and that day was by far the best day I've had down here. Um, <laughs> like, me and my granddad drove down from Cambridge for the game, and uh, we were the same when he was on the free kick. I think Terry talks about a game where. He was saying, nah, definitely not him, definitely not him. We were doing that, and the whole stadium was like, nah, it can't be. El Kakuri can't take it. It was like the 94th, 95th minute. It went in, and like you say, Naif, there was like a pause, That's and the then name. the noise. Like, in my head, it's the loudest the Valley's ever been. It yeah. was just amazing. It was such it's a good... The relief and, and the shock. Yeah, and uh, it was like the one time that season that, where I really thought that was going to be a, like a big turning point and we were going to go on and recover, and it's... Such a shame that the story didn't end that way, really. But, um, yeah, that one, I l- absolutely loved that yeah.
3: See, I can't... To, to know, I, can, I might be mis- mistaken identity. The only thing I can remember Al-Kakuri for is Burbert of turning him and scoring in mm. sending right him Right at down. the end of the same season. That's, yeah, that's the only thing I can remember Kakuri, unfortunately. 30 oh, well, that, yeah, so, oh, always comes back to that Tottenham game. It kills me. Yeah. And then oh, it always brings me on to that Tahar el Khaled. Do you remember him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember el yeah. Kaledge, uh,
1: <laughs> gifting Leeds their sixth goal in the 6-1 defeat. At home, I remember uh, that. Oh, yeah. That, remember
2: that. Also, you know. El Kakuri, he signed my poster, but he put best wishes at the top and then two Tom at the bottom <laughs> and put Tom, T-H-O-M. Oh, that's pom. a shocker. So that's best good. wishes, Tom. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so this is pretty much the only, yeah. thing, only good thing he ever did was that free kick. Yeah. Uh, Mads, uh, Mad's talking back to that. Dennis, in the last minute at Palace, says, I've still got my seat from that Palace game. It has pride of place on my mantelpiece. It's got big mantelpiece. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and then Bob says what was the better goal Dennis in the last minute ooh or John Fortune header that sent him oh, down no, or, header. Fortune header yeah. Fortune's header all, all day long because yeah. so I remember like obviously we went into that, that game where we were really getting. I was I was reckoning we were going to batter them and then we were 1-0 up and I was like here we go the ki- the kish had set up Brian Hughes mm. for to go 1-0 up at half time I was like here we go and then they came back there to uh, like a dodge, a penalty off John Ford. No, surprise, Fulton. surprise, and, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for, yeah, for once he wasn't Andrew Hughes was diving, although he still scored the penalty. And then, uh, and then you're, you're 10 minutes on the end, it's like we just need a goal. And then out of nowhere, John Fortune. John Fortune. I don't remember him scoring too many goals, but
3: I used to like John Fortune. I used to love one, him, yeah. When player.
1: Yeah, he was all right. He still, he, seems, he still seems to be knocking about as well, actually, Yeah, I see, it, him, right?
3: I see him at home game this year. I can't yeah. mean, I think
1: it was right at the beginning of the season, but
3: yeah, no, it's just it was Dowie's face yeah. at the end of the mm. game, but you know, in the score. When they, um, they recorded it and they cut through and they see the faces and Andrew Johnson's crying, oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely magic. Again, I'm not going to milk it too much because the table's turned, so <laughs> yeah. I won't milk it too We're cool. not really in a position <laughs> yeah, exactly. to position out the banner yeah, now, yeah, are we? Exactly, <laughs> so I'll leave that one. <laughs> right,
1: so that's, uh, that's us looking back uh, at the 5th of December 1992 and throughout the years. It's been a wonderful day uh, throughout the years for us, but it'll never be more special than that day in 1992 when we returned home to the Valley.
4: almost at the halfway line. Unbelievable strike. That is outrageous. Right-footed. We saw all off his line. What uh, a goal. Charlton Lodge.
3: From the, home of, on the time. home of time, this is Maritime Radio,
4: Greenwich.
1: Let's not make Charlton now into a team uh, who's going everywhere and must win and must be better than uh, the home side. Charlton Live. Talking back to you, Charlton Live here on uh, Maritime Radio. Uh, so we've talked about December the fifth, the most important day in our history. I think I think that's undisputed. Although if anyone wants to dispute that, get your emails in studio, chatonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at Live. now. Uh, just a bit of housekeeping, really, around the club. I noticed it's the, um, some news that's coming that uh, we've uh, we've got our manager nominated for manager of the month, which it used to be a, an award just here at Chelton, but now they've they've actually included all the managers and uh, and Kevin Nugent's up for it.
3: that's nice that'd be nice um, I, I, was, I was thinking about this on the way I wonder if if he does win it which I hope he does just for the pure bants but <laughs> if he does would it be the first award for a manager of the month with the shortest term as manager yeah
2: for like a, care, a caretaker yeah. manager the manager of the month who's the effectively then been stacked
3: yeah because <laughs> caretaker yeah. managers usually do pony don't they and they yeah. just like like a like, nil nil and a lose yeah. and then loss or something but he's got, he's got two good results against yeah. two top teams but, hammered Bristol Rovers yeah I hope
1: he gets it same because it'd be on his, on his CV. Get a little contract yeah. extension, unless I don't know. <clears throat> that'd be that'd be marvellous. That'd be interesting. We'll, we'd like to see. Hopefully, uh, Kevin will win it, and hey, uh, he certainly deserves it. Although, w- w- it'd be good if he won it and then say, "I would like to dedicate it to the big man Russ." Yeah, <laughs> who laid down all the ground. <laughs> I,
2: it's great he's stuck around as well because he's yeah. just got that well, little bit of continuity. Yeah, like. and,
1: and you know he's done he's done a good job. And he he'd like I to say, the, the continuity is important. Yeah. Uh, I, I just well, I don't I, I don't know I haven't heard any more about Richie Barker coming. I don't know mm. if Richie. Uh, Richard Corley's only more digging on that one, but I haven't heard anything from that, that one so, for a while, so that'd be yeah. interesting. Uh, the other bit of uh, housekeeping I want to see the, is the annual memorial game is going to be on the, the Bristol Rovers game on the 2nd of Jan, uh, where the club always pay tribute to, to fans who've passed away within the last year. Uh, it's always a very poignant uh, time and uh, you, you can uh, you can get your name sent into the clubs if you look on the club's uh, Twitter on the, the website or whatever you can uh, make sure you contact them to make sure if you if you want to get someone uh, on the board and that and then that all comes back to you now and um, you know it, it's a fam- coming down is a family thing it's not just coming down to football it's, you, you think about the generations that have come and been before you so uh, to, to have a memorial day like this every year is is a really nice touch by the club
3: yeah no it's always nice because um, obviously you know unfortunately <coughs> way life is you know people lose family members and it's I think it's a nice occasion for everyone, not just their own family, just to show, you know, appreciation and like, thank you really of just coming down and supporting the team from day one and there's obviously there might be some people who helped us get back to the valley like we've been talking about who's no longer here. So yeah, I think it is. A, I've always been nice. We do a, you see the, the minutes, usually, minutes of applause usually. Yeah, yeah. And yeah the, and names the names come up. up the big so. screen, yeah, yeah I think it's a, really nice, and I think the away fans get involved as well. Because so we
2: do it the away fans as well. Mm-hmm. Do yeah, we, we
1: normally try and think. they normally have someone from there yeah. club to say we yeah. can pay tribute to that, and that's again that's a good touch. <laughs> and as I as think
2: well. um, one thing you notice is because I'm effectively a first generation Charlton fan in my family. It's me and my granddad that come, but he's primarily an Ipswich fan, but what you notice about being at Charlton is you can look up that board and almost every year there are names that you recognize, either yeah. because they're ex-players or ex-staff or because they're just people you know from around the ground. And yeah. obviously it's not nice that they're on that board, but what's nice is that it's got that family feel and you, you know people and you get to know people. And again, like you say, that's, I don't know if it is unique to that club, this club, but it's got that feel to it.
1: Yeah. Excellent stuff. Right. So, so a lovely touch. So make sure if you, if you want to uh, get a name on that board, make sure you contact the club and uh, and uh, we we're all we we're all share uh, in in the memory of, of your loved one right now. We're going to move on uh, to. Uh, I was sort of running out of things to talk about today, so I put I sort of mentioned on Twitter that we, we've got a few, we're going to talk about a few of the December the fifth games, uh, and then uh, Essex Al, Al Wood is uh, a top bloke. Uh, I've seen him on the train home from away games a couple of times. He uh, now nah, nah, he's like he's he's vocal on the on the forums and whatnot. As are a lot of champ fans and. Uh, uh, like, so I, know, I know Al well, I know, I know he's a great bloke, but um, and, and but, but you know, and he has his views, which is which I think seems to be quite anti-protest, and I think that's you know he's more than entitled to his views. He comes to every game as well. He brings his grandson. I think his grandson, unfortunately for him, was the uh, the mascot up at Hull last season when oh, no. <laughs> we lost six 0 But um, you know, he still enjoyed his day, and uh, Al, Al brings him down, looks after him, and uh, you know does the right thing, bring the next generation down to a mm. chant game. Now, so he, he told you to say, say, why don't you uh, mention Michael E. Tucker's? Uh, letter into the the Mercury today because not all and then he said and he said not because not all charm fans are for the protests and some are becoming more vocal now. And I said that's a very fair point. Uh, and so I think it's fair that we we'll read the uh the uh, parts of the um uh, of the letter. It's, it's quite a long letter, so I won't read all of it. And then also for balance we're gonna read uh, Freddie Saunders' letter uh, which he sent to Randall just chateau so I'm gonna read that uh, in moments to come but this, so this one was sent into the mercury now it 's quite quaint i didn 't realize people still sent in letters to local papers when, if I ever read the local paper, I need to find anything i 'll put in there and then see but this and this is, so this is into the mercury, which goes' uh, it's some sort of sister paper to South London press or mm-hmm. something rather like uh, <clears throat> my voice going right so this is uh Michael E Tucker says I am writing in response to the coverage of issues at Charlton Athletic Football Club. I am saddened by cards <coughs> cards insanity to carry on. You want to read it, Luke. Yeah, cool. <laughs> My <voice is>
3: completely <laughs> gone. I, I, I was gonna let just gonna let it let it go and just let you sort of suffer <laughs> like, <pees> out for <laughs> nothing. Wait until the last sentence goes, I'll i take it from you, Luke. <laughs> right, hang on. Right, uh, so here we go. Right, I am writing in response to coverage of issues at of Charlton Athletic Football Club. I'm saddened by cards insanity to carry on with the disruption on match days at the valley. How can they justify fueling, fueling more hate into something that has now become pointless, and it bring and and it could bring down the curtains on the club? Show me to read it. <laughs> <now? Jesus
2: Christ>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't <had> a drink. <laughs> Why can't they see Roland Chalet will not be pressured into caving into their demands to sell the club, which makes action organised or action organised? Right, you carry on. I can't do it. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, it's the end of the line, and they do the where, two. Where right? are we up to? Oh, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: I've supported Charlton for over 50 years and I will not be drawn into the organised hooligan action cited by a handful of agitators who are bent on bringing this club to its knees. Any further action by the followers of this insane movement has become counterproductive. All my family are season ticket holders and feel as I do that there will be no winners in this situation. Am I missing the point? I'm sure everyone who renewed their season ticket did not agree with the way things are allowed to fester. The chance of Roland out are getting less intense because if the truth is known, no one really believes Roland is just going to turn his back on his investment just because Card or anyone else for that matter is shouting the odds. Therefore, I will never take part in any anti-Roland campaign just because someone thinks by disrupting games will make him run scared. It is not Roland who will kill this club, but the supporters. The supporters who think that boycotting the home games will force Roland to sell up and get out of the valley. They are all deluded and seriously need to get a grip on their own shortfall. The only thing that is certain, Charlton will die unless this stops. All those who think that staying away will bring back the glory days are really very narrow-minded indeed. I love this club and I will speak out against anything or anyone who thinks what Card is doing will get the desired result.
1: So there we go. That was uh, the, Tom, the only one <laughs> of us who got reading. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to think that, that writing letters into newspapers is lost in Tompans <laughs> because none of us can read.
3: Well, A. Hey, I just <laughs> look at spreadsheets all day, and I tell you what, told so me up. You know when they if finishes an line, mm. they have half. And that's yeah. where I s- sort of stumbled. I felt like right. more or less.
2: S- My creative writing degree there. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. So, so <laughs>
1: that was Michael. So so that was uh, Michael's letter into the Mercury. No, so, I mean, obviously there's points on there that people don't. But, but what we have spotted in the last, I, I certainly spotted it at the last game, was um, maybe a, a, a tiredness of, mm. of, of, of the protest. I think, I think for me, I think the fact is uh, the, the you're chucking stuff onto the pitch. And I, th- I, I think some of the people I spoke to in Cardinal would probably agree that you know it's, it's sort of run its course now because it's been it's been done a few times and it, it was ultra effective at the start. Now it's not so effective because there's not there's not so many people here anyway a lot of people just don't come anymore mm. um uh, some people are i mean protest fatigue is something that happens in in you know it's, it's something you can google google it's an actual thing people get tired get bored of protesting especially if they feel it's not getting you anywhere so then comes to the other side you know do you think you've got anywhere i mean you can see roland uh has certainly been reacting to stuff that's going on in over in belgium now recently so the belgium yeah. 20 trip over to uh over to that way and the car trip and whatnot and the the podcast uh, that Jimmy did the getting to know the network podcast that sort of thing still getting reaction from it and if it's getting reaction from him that means it's bothering him so I do think we're getting somewhere I mean some <clears throat> some people are thinking no we're still here so therefore we haven't got the ultimate goal I think you know the fans who are protesting will probably think well you know it's not not one thing's going to do it you have to keep you have to keep moving on as well but you know you also do understand that the the only thing I will say about the letter is that. The whole time you're reading it, I was thinking, all it is is saying how, what Card are doing wrong. None of it's saying what Roland's doing right. And so, therefore, mm. for me, I, I feel some of these attitudes are coming from, oh, I've just had enough of protesting, I just want to sit down and watch the football now. We've tried, yeah. we've failed. You very rarely get people saying, Oh, you know what Roland's done? He's done this, he's done that. It's very yeah. rare. Although they, they might say, you know, he's brought in English managers, although, you know, we're already on to our second one of those in, the, in this season. So you can see where it's coming from. But you just, for me, sometimes you just wonder if. if some people have just sort of given up.
2: Yeah, I think that you're spot on there. I think it is part of a wider problem where we said it before the show that people just get tired of fighting and um, that, you know, that happens in any walker life. And it's the same with these protests. Like you say, protest fatigue. I think some people have gone, right, you know what? We're not doing that badly this season. He has made some changes that we, we agree with. Let's just see it play out this season and see what happens. And it's tough because some of the protests have been great and, eventually, when we do get this club back to a place where we're happy, for some people that may still be under Roland and for other people that won't be. But when we are back in a place where we're happy, we'll look back and all of this has played its part. Um, but I think, and we all said this when we were thinking of ideas for the show, that that people there is just, it feels like there's a bit more of a split between the fans <laughs> at the moment and that the, the anti-card people, if you like, I don't want to necessarily group people as card or anti-card, but the people who are perhaps not so keen on the protests, are just becoming a bit more vocal these days. Um, and mm-hmm. and like you say, that comes perhaps as a reaction to some of the card protests in particular not being quite as effective or quite as, as big scale. Um, but uh, we say it week in, week out on this show as fans we can't fall apart we've all got to stick together we've all got to
1: respect each other's views and then what you want to look at then again is I haven't got the exact stats but the the trust uh, survey which was only Mm. done within the last couple of months it was very very recently maybe within the last month talking about you know still it was something around 80 plus percent of fans still don't trust Roland du still don't like the way the club is going under them so I do do think there is still that appetite for protest maybe it is just people want to see something a bit different now because we've tried the same thing a lot and you know People will say it hasn't had any effect. I think I think it's had a bit of an effect because you can see Ronan reacting to it in different ways. Uh, so so maybe it's a case for. I'm um, obviously it's something that cars will have to think about. They just have to freshen things up a bit. and I'm, I'm certain they will do.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, when that when that survey was taken, it probably had direct correlation <coughs> on the uh, the protests or around protest days anyway. So you was going to have a quite a high number of people voting. Um, it would be interesting to see if it was if that figure remains the same as but eighty the, the, as it is now. The
1: survey was done. It wasn't. It was done amongst members. so I'm sure they could do uh, it on the website or possibly online, but also yeah. done at match days as well. So it, was, it wasn't everyone on match day, but it was it was done online as well. I believe. Mm. But um, that's what I mean. So if they <laughs> if they if they done it
3: say for Saturday. I'll be very surprised if it's if it surpasses always around about eight. I think it'll be quite a lot lower. Mm. Simply, for, which the points you guys have alluded to anyway, where it's got to a stage where people are unhappy, but have now either not attending the games or just just can't be can't keep doing the protest in the same protest. So maybe you know the fresh ideas and the creative people out there will have to obviously get the thinking hats on. But I, yeah, I mean, and finally, it's just obviously make sure that. We do understand that everyone has has their view, and we just don't want to have any divisions between the fans. Because Mm. you know, as much as if your your viewpoint isn't shared by another person, it doesn't make them wrong; it doesn't make you right. Everyone's Mm. entitled to the same thing.
2: And I think, as well, this isn't necessarily my point of view, but you could argue that the decision to bring in a British manager and British players, of course, relegation played its part. But there's nothing to say that the protests and the way fans reacted to last season didn't play a part as well there's nothing to say that over the summer they didn't look at that and go well do you know what look we've been relegated um, We we've done all this our way what if let's just try it that way and maybe you know as I say that's not necessarily something I agree with but it's a way that people could could look at it
1: right I also said we're going to read out uh, some of Freddie Saunders' letter this was one that was hand delivered by the Belgium 20 to Renan Duchatelet last weekend it says dear Mr. Duchatelet, i I'm writing this letter to urge you to reconsider your position on deciding not to sell Charlton from your recent comments to TalkSport and Sky Sports uh, presenter Jim White which implied you were rather shocked and stunned by the rebellion that you currently face in South East London I would like to offer an explanation Uh, and and to let you know where we're coming from. Uh, There's a saying that you cannot change your family or where you come from, which is true, but this also applies for many football fans. Many of us have adopted a love for a football club in a hereditary manner. The love and passion for a specific club is passed down generation after generation. For others, they attended a game for the first time and fell in love with everything that the club was about. When I was five years old, I went to the Valley when we were a Premier League club Uh, He talks about his memories of when he first started coming down. And he goes, surely you can understand why we're struggling with the current environment and turbulence at our beloved club. And of course, if you want to read the rest of that letter, you can head over to Freddie, at Freddie PSS on uh, on Twitter. And you'll see a link to that. Uh, James Madison says, whether the protests are right or wrong aside, I always feel it is better to try something and fail than do nothing. The British people have a history of standing up for what they feel is right and doing Something right. Moving on now. This is only going to be a very brief segment of the show uh, because it's, it's a hugely difficult situation. But you know, the uh, the football abuse uh, revelations that are coming around around uh, of uh, child abuse. Sorry, uh, they're coming out around the world of football now. Um, it, it's probably not going to leave many clubs untouched. And you know, judging by everything I'm reading, I'll be surprised if there's any institution anywhere in the seventies yeah. that untouched by this sort of thing now because it seems so rife. Uh, and it's obviously different attitudes and different. Just different, the way things were done in those days. There was Mm. no child protection schemes. There were no, you know, people didn't talk about that thing. People let people get away with stuff, that sort of thing. Uh, It's come to our club as well. Um, uh, Scout Eddie Heath, who was known at Chelsea, has also worked at our club, and there was uh, a former goalkeeper, Russell Davies, now 50, uh, says he wrote to the FA back in 1986 to say that this guy had... uh, you know, um, committed uh, acts upon him that, that, he should, that he never should have done. Now, and this is something hugely sensitive for the club to try and. So we're only going to very, very briefly touch mm-hmm. upon it. But, you know, it's. We we understand that it's probably going to happen at every club, but now and I'm certain that our club hopefully are going to do the right thing now and get get that investigation done and do do what they can do. I can't imagine there's much investigating they can do, but try and try and find out the facts and more importantly make sure that the right the right procedures are in place now, which they probably are, but to make sure the right procedures are in place now that the club have learned from whatever happened back in those days.
3: Yeah, and it's quite difficult, really, and like you said, it'd be very surprising if. Um, not every institution was involved because obviously we've seen the stuff in, in entertainment one and now mm. football and then the news today about, um, obviously about the police, you know, and it's people abusing power and stature and stuff like that. But like you said, the main thing for me is the club, I'm sure the club are, that they need to get that investigation going because if, if a letter was sent to the FA, by one of their staff or mm. one of their kids, you know, one of one of our kids, mm. and I mean, it we was don't sent. Know,
1: we don't know when it was, and that's, yeah, that's the whole thing that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. so that's so that's that's what we'll we'll find I out.
2: Think, as you say, Louis, the the main thing is, and a lot of the players that are coming out and and admitting to all this stuff now are saying the reason they're doing it is to make sure that it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And obviously, there are policies in place at clubs now, and hopefully, they're mm. they're stringent enough. And yeah. you would hope that's the case. i our club well, as well. Well,
1: um I never talk about my day job at all, but I work very closely with um, uh, with uh, some, some police officers. So I actually, you know, I, I find out what they get in on with. I, I, I deal with mm-hmm. them. I, I help them to do stuff. So, and, and I find I find out about some of the stuff they've been doing. I know says in the last five years or so in particular, there's a particular, um, they, they, they take a lot of notice of this sort of thing. They, they know that the, the policing of, of this sort of thing has been pretty poor throughout the years, but now they're trying to make it better. And one of well, the most important thing is in, encouraging people to, to come and speak to speak to them because they will investigate they they'll, they'll believe you that's the yeah. most important thing don't think they won't believe you they will they will believe you um, they will investigate it they will do their very best to make sure it stops happening mm. and uh, so it's it, that's important and I think um, uh, the, the way people view this sort of thing and, and the society as a whole is hopefully starting to wake up now you know it's, I'm, I'm certain it's nowhere near fully there. Uh, but hopefully starting to wake up now on, on all sorts of sexual offences especially ones against children right so that's uh, we'll talk about that because it, it has affected our club and it has affected the whole of our game as well and we hope that you know football will learn the lesson from, from what's coming out over the last, the, the last few weeks and you know, it's been investigated really well by all the, the journalists as well so we hope that um, you know like I say le- lessons are learned and society can co- continue to move forward uh, in the riot stretch. Right now, uh, Charlton playing on Saturday, Bradford City. Uh, I'm not going to be able to play you all of it because we've, uh, we've filled up the show a lot more than we thought we were going to. But this is Carl Robinson uh, talking to, uh, to BBC Radio Kent's Tony Hutt.
4: Talking to Charlton manager Carl Robinson ahead of Saturday's trip to Bradford. Carl, you've taken charge of one game and before that you'd watched the team twice. Mm. In that time,
0: what big pluses have you discovered? Or have you had to change much? Oh, there's been a, a question that's been asked a lot of times by an awful lot of people because obviously managers come into teams and they've lost five on the spin or they've, they, there's so many different permutations and the reasons why. Um, I feel that there's a lot of good here. There's a lot... Of, the process of change was, was in that sort of circle in some ways and I felt that to totally dismantle some of the good things it's my job to add on to things there's so many things I've tried to add into the group that I'm not quite seeing yet there's some movement patterns that I expect if we're going to play the way we want to play I think teams, the fans have seen on Saturday what the first half what MK Donne did, that's almost how I want to get it to but I think having then the cutting edge in the final third that aggressive nature, that direct nature um, playing aggressively through the thirds. I think that'll come with time And what I have seen here is a very solid group, a very together group, a very unified group. Um, And that's something that I want to build on. The clean sheeting is one of the best back fours records. And when you look at the moment, we've got so many injuries. Um, So having so many players out and and just to try and keep ticking over in this period of time and get this little window out the way and then we go again. obviously January is going to be a big time for us and the players that we can bring in to support what's already a very, very good squad. Have you targeted, targeted areas that need improvement? I mean, for instance, a lot of people say that maybe the midfield is a little bit pedestrian. Oh, <laughs> I, have, I wouldn't say pedestrian. Uh, I'd say it certainly needs strengthening. Um, I, I think when you look at, purely and simply because of numbers, um, but I think when you've got two real recognised centre field players in the, in the first-team squad, in Freddie and Crofty, and for as much they've been fantastic for some of the performance they've done, and in the games, you have seen, They've been real stalwart in there and kept this group together. Um, but if we want to go forward, we've got to make competition in there. It's obvious. I think even them players expect that as well. But we have got young Joe Rebo Rebo's scored a fantastic goal on a Monday night, so I really enjoy watching him. There's Cookie in there. There's another young player that could come through. But I'm, I'm not too sure whether they're ready immediately. But we but we can't really block their development either. So you've got to be careful sometimes by loading certain areas because when we've got our youth policy here with Steve and, and obviously Jason who have done wonderfully well, I don't want to make too many massive changes and, and bring in young players and stop our young players progressing. But it is an area that we're looking to strengthen, not enhance, sorry, not strengthen, enhance that group. And uh, I think there's other areas as well. I think we need a number 10 in case you want to change our system. Um, I know Ricky can play in there, but with him being out for a period of time is difficult I think the, the emergence of Jordan at the weekend, I think he, he, for as much as what he can frustrate people with, is unpredictability. The unpredictability can equally be a strength. And I think we've been lacking that, especially at home. Um, and, and I want to get at teams. And for as much as what we made defensively, we may, may have to give a little bit away. I think he can give us so much more going forward. And I think you've seen that. I think everybody knows that. Um, he just maybe needs to run a game to really enhance his development. And have you decided which formation suits this bunch of players best? Yeah, again, that's another challenge for me. Of When you think over 350-odd games, playing one system. OK, yeah, every week there was a tweak to it. There was a different way in it. Um, to completely go with a system that suits the players has been a challenge for me uh, and a challenge that, for my future career, has been a great learning curve as well. Uh, and one that I'm really embracing and the players are embracing the change it's not so much changing the system it's maybe changing the way we use the system and that's, a, that's been the hardest part of it but it's been the most enjoyable part of it as well and the players have really really engaged and really tried to improve
4: You touched on it earlier injury
0: problems, uh, Ricky Harms, Chris <laughs> Solly how long are you going to be without them for? Um, and Jacko as well Deck being out is, is a big loss uh Chris I'm hoping to he's in back in training tomorrow. We leave tomorrow, but he's trained and hopefully he'll get a hard session tomorrow and Saturday. Uh he might even make the trip to, on Tuesday. We'll have to wait and see. Um <clears throat> we've also got Jacko who will train today. Uh Ricky maybe when we come after the FA Cup game, maybe it might be integration there. Um, I'd like to have him back before the turn of the year. Uh, Deck is out training as well at the moment, so he's in that little bit of a rehabilitation period. So you can see the, the it's close, but not close enough for me. But obviously, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit greedy. <laughs> is is Ricky a long term injury doubt for you? Um, I think when you have any sort of metal injury, I think it's it's quite conclusive what he's done. Uh, it's uh, it's one that there's always a timescale on. But again, if he, if he comes back, I, I can't foresee him breaking down. I think it's one that he'll come back when the medical team think he's good and ready to keep in the team. If there's obviously a big sign in the summer, yeah, as everyone knows, he's influential in what we do going forwards. And to go without him over recent weeks has been a big loss for the football club. But I believe that once he's back and Jordan gets up to speed and we can do one or two things in January with the firepower that we have and the support we can give them in midfield and... The back forward and keep them going and as we came in i think he's someone that everyone's got a very keen eye at the football club someone mm-hmm. has already took it took a chance very quickly i like the way he plays dylan showed everybody touchwood sure he can continue his form but he's come in as a young goalkeeper and really stood up to the task and then you've got the best goalkeeper in the league come back in mm-hmm. so it, it's a real strong group and i'm one that i'm really excited about once everyone's fit and i can get what i want in january um, that will be a real starting point for us and I'm really excited by that in the meantime I think Nuge and Clarkie and Chris and, and Lee have uh, I've literally worked the socks off and uh, I know the medical staff Al and Carl and, and all their support team I want to go on record and say thank you to these people they've really welcomed me and they've really stood up to the task and they've been challenging me and I've been challenging them and this football club inside I can honestly say mate there's some fantastic professional people in this training ground. Wonderful people and it's been a real, real pleasure to, to learn from them and hopefully learn together and hopefully the players can see that, the intensity in which the staff are trying to bring and hopefully we can take this forward as a football pitch and the results of the be all and end all but they're not gonna come right away. But getting that draw on Saturday when we when they play really well to come back second half to show what I want. Um, I think the fans have seen I do get involved in the game I do expect my players to run around I do expect them to tackle I do expect them to foul I do expect them to play aggressively I do expect them to pass I do expect them to score goals and still have that solidarity that security behind all that Um, and I get right involved in it Um, because I want the fans to get involved in it and I want this I want this solidarity and I think you've seen already it'll start to grow together and um, it won't happen overnight, I think they have to get, they have to learn to trust me, um, as their manager, uh, players and fans alike, and uh, hopefully this journey will be one, that we'll all enjoy together, and uh, the first league game, way are Bradford, drawn five, won five, arguing the best home records in the league, but we're Charlton, and we'll be a big team going to the and, uh I'm really looking forward to it. I know it's changed names. We've got to call it its old name, because it's changed names. Here, but it's a stadium that is transfixed in football history for for some horrendous things that have gone on, and obviously for some wonderful games that have happened there. It's a very historical football club and a very proud football club. But so are we. it was once a Premier League fixture. Just...
1: There we go. That's Carl Robinson there talking. <laughs> I said. I said. I can cut... talk. Yeah. I said. I said. I'd cut him off. At the end of this answer, two two minutes ago, <laughs> so we could talk about Eddie Yowes. Right, very briefly, Eddie
3: Yowes was our channel connection. Yes, he was. Yeah, Sorry, I was just getting it up. Uh, the, the Fred, the Fred. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was going to say, he's a, he was a good
3: player, I'm not that <laughs> guy. Yeah, no, I only, only had a couple, but even they won by a landslide. Uh, CFC Trev said, first ever foot match was Ipswich with Blackburn. Uh, Eddie scored the only goal of the game and they won 1-0. Uh, he sort of elaborated how important he was for Ipswich. Uh, CFC Dave said him and Jack Cholton not the Jack Cholton saw Eddie and Bixie Heath KFC the day sign signed for us that doesn't surprise me <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, first time I saw him he was playing for Brentford and we beat him 4-1 um, ask if he remembers Malk's Pelé a solo goal for Brownie's 30 yard Thunderbolt and what, whether that influenced his decision to join but yeah there wasn't too much but from mm. what I remember he was just a solid steady Eddie we, he was known as one he was just yeah. sort of steady he was a bit of a bruiser but um yeah, no, he's a big old lump, and he uh, he likes his drink, which I, um, I've i heard that he, he frequents the pubs in Blackheath or Bexley if one too two quite often now, so... Excellent. Um, yeah, so only so a brief one, but it so weren't... Clearly you know, a man was, uh, after your heart if he's in the pub, <laughs> that's
1: why you know him so yeah, well. Yeah. Jane <laughs> Madison says that if, if Carl Robinson wants to build bridges with the fans, he could be, beat Millwall and it to be like a new Thames Crossing. She, well, said, that, we that, said it's true. that to every manager. Yeah. I, don't yeah. Think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember in, in Russell Slade's press conference, I think uh, Kevin Nolan said to him, <laughs> right, um you beat you beat Miro there, Soon take to you. Never got the chance. Never mm. got the chance, did he? Uh, right. So we were hearing from Carl there. Um, very positive noises from Carl Robinson so far. Uh, and you uh, saw about his system. He likes to play. Mm. Was he say four two three one? 2
3: four two three. Yeah. He usually has a sort of uh, not a target man as such, but he, he likes a focal point with a ten and two wingers beside him. So, um, which would ask questions of where Jose will fit in because I'd assume Josh will be that number one focal point. Unless he puts him out wide, I don't know. Mm. With Jordan on the other side, but yeah, so it looks like I think at the moment he's got to make do what what he's got now. Um, but I think January y- you might start seeing a couple of signings, which which will then blend into this system that
1: he's obviously used at uh, MK Dons for fifty years, wherever it, belongs, but <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, uh, it t- mentioned also Bradford's really strong home form. I don't think they've lost a game at home all season by looking at this, but. Uh, It's not going to be apart from in the cup, which we don't count. Uh, It's not going to be an easy game, is it? No, not at all. But, um, you know, go there.
2: Robinson, we need that new manager bounce, really. I said it on Sunday that we need him to get a win fairly early on just to settle the nerves because he talked about coming out of the valley last week and how nervous he was. It's going to be a tough game. But, you know, if we can win it, there's a possibility, I was looking at the table, we could get into fifth, one place behind Bradford if results were to go our way um we've been on a good run of form for pretty much as long as i can remember that one swindon game aside so let's
1: go there enough interfere and mm. let's let's see what happens i guess yeah excellent so let's 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 do some predictions um take your time we've already gone over time
3: yeah no I, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for a one or draw one
1: all draw yeah. i think i think we sneak it one nil yeah we've become the first team other than bradford mm. to win a valley parade yeah. This season, I fancy us to get something up there, but I'll, mm. I'll say a draw as well. I think I think maybe a, a scoring draw, a two-two uh, draw. Right, this has been Charlton Live, the big match preview. We've uh, gone over time. We're currently eating into whatever maritime have planned. Uh, some sort of Christmas music probably uh, thank you for joining us Tom, hope you enjoyed cheers, it cheers Louis, yeah, thanks for coming in, Nathan cheers boys, I've been Louis Mendes. hope you've enjoyed uh, this uh, this evening's show, thanks for listening we'll be back on Sunday evening to uh, let you know whatever happened, well you can look it up on Twitter before then but to let you know whatever happened on, uh, on, uh, uh, on Saturday up at Valley Parade see you then <laughs>